You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. For some of us, we hear this word work and we get super excited. Someone? (laughs) Maybe? One person? That's good. We hear the, the word work and we're filled with overwhelmingly positive thoughts. On the whole, we, we enjoy our work, we find it to be meaningful, life-giving, like there's a real purpose to what we do. And for others, maybe the majority in this room, we hear the word work and as soon as we hear it, we kind of switch off. We think of work and we associate it with all the bad things in life, negative things like drudgery, boredom, all the unpleasant activities that we have to perform every day to attain the goal of our weekly pay packet. And for others, maybe some of us here too, those who are retired, those who are studying at school or university, or dads and mums who are currently spending their days raising children technically out of the workforce, so to speak, or even for those of us who are currently unemployed, we think, this just isn't relevant to me. Work, work is not the season that I'm in right now. And I know um, from experience, if you've been looking for work for a while, remember as a teenager, how tough that can be, waiting and waiting and applying and just never seeming to get that catch a break. Even hearing that word work can be a bit like a dagger to our hearts. And there's no question that work raises a whole lot of emotions for us, both good and bad. So, why has God led me to share this particular word and then next year to actually dig a bit deeper into this topic of faith and work in 2024? Wow, that sounds weird, doesn't it? Well, it's a simple answer really. God created each and every one of us to work and God cares about how we go about our work. That's, that's it in a nutshell. Whether we're working in the workforce or not, work is God's idea and he wants to guide us in working well, whatever the context, unpaid or paid. Our work matters to God and our work should matter to us. It has far more significance than we might think. So how about we just take a moment to pray and invite Holy Spirit to to really speak through this message and speak to each of our hearts, whether we're in a traditional stage of work or we're retired or whatever else. Let's not tune out, but tune in to what the Spirit wants to say to us today. Amen? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we are just so thankful for your abiding presence with us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you guide us in all truth, that you provide us with abiding sense of peace, assurance, comfort. You are our helper. And we just want to invite you now to help us to hear what you want to say in such a way that we would not just hear it and go, oh, man, that is really helpful, or I'd never thought about that before, or, man, I could put that on my my, um, Facebook feed, or something like that. But, Lord, that we would hear what you have to say to each of us about our work and then that would change the way that we go about our work for your glory and for the good of others. 
So God, would you move in power today and would we continue to exalt you and give you all the glory that you are due for you are good and you are faithful and we love you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, think about this. Where did work originate? Absolutely. Way back in the garden, God gave mankind a gift. <laughs> we don't, some of us don't feel like it's a gift, but it was a gift of work. And I was pulling weeds yesterday and I, I suffered the curse of that gift. But anyway, God created us to work. If we read back in Genesis 1.26, this is what it says. Then God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So that word dominion actually means to care for, to nurture, not to exploit, not to live our best life now and stuff everyone else. I'm just going to get wealthy and do what I want to do in this life. No, 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 no. God's idea always is that we are faithful stewards of this creation, that we steward and look after and care for and nurture his creation and all the birds and animals and etc. So, so that's, that's the mandate way back then. Now, let's broaden the scope for work. Esther Van Diver, she describes work in this way. She says, Christian work is any good work done wholeheartedly by a follower of Christ. Any good work done wholeheartedly by a follower of Christ. I think that's a really good start. Work for the Christian is anything done wholeheartedly for the Lord. Yeah? It's not just gardening. It's not just caring for animals and the land on God's behalf. That's, a, that's an aspect of it. But work is anything that's done wholeheartedly for the Lord. This is backed up by a New Testament passage you could be familiar with. It's the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3, 23 to 24. He writes, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Friends, this is so important for us to understand. Work is not just what some of us do or have done in past seasons to earn an income, to put food on the table, to provide for our families, to pay the energy bills. Work, according to God, is anything and everything that we invest our energies in to serve and honour him. If you're a stay-at-home parent, raising children, shepherding little hearts, cleaning up accidents, discipling, guiding, encouraging, doing the school runs, that's work. That's work. God sees your everyday ordinary life as meaningful, incredibly valuable, and here's the thing, so should you. If you're currently retired, maybe you're living in an aged care facility or you're living in your family home and you keep active in your community. You volunteer through Probus or Hickey, playing social badminton or table tennis, reaching out to people in your friendship circles who are doing it tough 
inviting people into your homes or taking them out for coffee. Listen, that's work. God sees your everyday ordinary life as meaningful, incredibly valuable, and so should you. If you spend your days working in a traditional work role, managing teams, problem solving, providing quality medical care, maintaining vehicles, selling spices, teaching children, grading roads, cultivating gardens, laying carpets, building homes, caring for the vulnerable, that's work. And as with the others, God sees your everyday, ordinary life as meaningful, incredibly valuable, and so should you. I had to go at defining work, and here's what I came up with. Work is the purposeful, wholehearted investment of our time, energy, and resources to bring God honour and advance his kingdom in all that we do. Work is the purposeful, wholehearted investment of our time, energy, and resources to bring God honour and advance his kingdom in all that we do. I need a drink. That's work too. All right. Jerry, a while back, he, he shared a message here and, and he brought to our attention a really unfortunate divide that we so often make when it comes to just society, really. Too often, we make a divide between what society views as being secular and what society views as being sacred between secular things like work, what we, when we work, and sacred things like faith. Yeah? You with me? And too often, and I, and I certainly used to think this way very much. This was to my, my mistake, for sure. We, we can, too often we can see work as just being a means to an end. Yeah? Something to endure, in a sense. So that at the end of the day, in our evenings, on the weekends, we can then invest ourselves wholeheartedly in the real work of serving God. Has anyone been there before? I remember as a, as a relatively young Christian, I was a mechanic at the time. There, there I am, <laughs> nice and clean. Might have been part of the reason I'm not a mechanic anymore, but... You know, I remember thinking as, as a young Christian, thinking that my serving God was all about the things that I was doing within this building, helping out, running youth group, playing in the music ministry team, whatever else it was that I was doing back then in order to serve God for Jesus. I saw that as the real work. You know the problem with that? I missed seeing just how significant and important my ordinary everyday life as a mechanic could have been or should have been. I failed to see that what I was spending the most hours per week doing was actually one of the key opportunities God had given me to use for his glory. A key avenue through which he wanted me to serve him diligently, exercise my faith, and play a role in pointing other people to him, sharing God's love with others. And honestly, I, I've reflected back often, and, and this is a regret that I have. Obviously, we bring our regrets to Jesus, and he takes the weight of that regret, but the reality is I still regret it to this day. 
I wasted plenty of opportunities to effectively share him and exercise my faith in that season of work. Have you been there before, friends? Have you been there before? Perhaps are you even there now when it comes to your work? Just getting through your week, getting through the day, so after hours you can invest yourself in the things that matter, real work, sacred things, things of real value, like contributing to Christian community, sharing the gospel with friends and family, laying down your life as you serve others. Here's the thing. The Apostle Paul is exactly right. He, he nails it. And as far as the Apostle Paul goes, he's pretty clear here, isn't it? You don't have to really <laughs> think too hard about what he's actually saying. He's just straight with this. Whatever we spend our time doing, we are serving the Lord. That's what he says. Whatever we're doing. He's, he's, he's making it clear, and this is really important, there aren't any divisions. There aren't divisions when it comes to our lives. We don't compartmentalize our lives of Christians and go, oh, well, I'm, I'm preaching here today, but then when I go down and have a coffee with my grandma this afternoon, that then, oh, um, that's, I mean, that's a different me. I'm in a different space, so I have to be different. No. Paul is saying that all that we do is or can be sacred. Everything is an opportunity to honour God and share him and his countercultural ways with others. And I don't know about you, but this has the potential to change everything for our lives if we really think about it. One of the main ways we can please and honour and glorify God is by living our ordinary everyday lives well. It's not complicated. With intentionality, empowered by the Spirit moving through us as we lay down our lives and serve others as needs arise, as we become aware of things to serve in. Doing exactly what, funnily enough, Jesus commands as he urged his followers in Matthew 5.16 to let their light shine before others so that they may see your good works and what? Praise you because you're so good? No. Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See that? Living our lives with purpose has a broader purpose of pushing people to see the glory of Christ and bow the knee at his throne of grace. Your work, no matter what it is, no matter the money it brings in, no matter the money it doesn't bring in, is of great significance to God. Your work matters because your work ultimately glorifies God. Does this change how anyone is viewing their work or their stage of life and work right now? Perhaps how you'll even go and approach your work this afternoon or when you return to your workplace. Will you recommit yourselves, as the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, to seeing your work as not just being to, to serve a, a woman or a, a man earthly boss, but as service to the king of kings and the lord of lords the lord christ himself all right i'll keep going that's a very brief intro to faith and work and so with the rest of our time together today what i want to do is i want to share four insights into work as encouragements to us and i'll share them all at the start and here they are number one work is given 
so we won't become lazy. Two, work enables us to be generous. Three, work and rest go hand in hand. And four, work is a taste of what's to come. All right, number one, work's given so we won't become lazy. I like what uh, Fritz Sherry says on this. She writes, A working Christian is a reflection of a working God who created the universe and is still at work in our lives. Amen. Who knows that to be true? Believers are not to be slothful. We are to do honest work and be hardworking in all we do. Now, if you've read the Bible much, you, you're probably aware Scripture is full of warnings around being lazy and encouragements around being diligent, making the most of the days that we have. Take this one from Proverbs 21, 25. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labour. Or Proverbs 13, 4. I love this. It's a pretty clear warning, but also a beautiful promise for the diligent. It says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Laziness, God says, will kill us. Why will it kill us? Because it will rob us of the joy, the vision, the purpose, the fulfillment, all the blessings our souls are designed to enjoy in relationship with God. That's why. While diligence in our work, whatever our work is, will result in God's blessings overflowing in our souls. Our souls, in that sense, with the connection to God and the knowledge that, that we're, we're doing Doing our part, we're joining with him in his kingdom work, will richly supply our souls. I like what Scott Hubbard, he's the editor at Desiring God, says when commenting on the sluggard. He writes, isn't that a great word, sluggard? (laughs) Sluggard. Laziness is not so lethal today, at least not in many places. But the wise know that even if the desire of the sluggard does not take his life It takes almost everything else. It takes the joy of a good day's sweat. It takes the peace of relationships carefully kept. It takes the reward of talents well stewarded. The sluggard may enjoy an easier existence for a few days or a few minutes, but then every part of life becomes more painful. It's really good, isn't it? So true. In the New Testament, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 to 13, the Apostle Paul shares this warning and some encouragement at the end. He says, for, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Ouch. Now, such persons we command... And encouraged in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing good. None of us want to be busybodies. Work is God's idea. He created it all the way back in Genesis for our good. So that we wouldn't go through life walking in idleness. But we would live our lives with intentionality and joy doing good for his glory and also for the good of the world around us. All right, so work's given that we won't become lazy. And here's the second. Work 
enables us to be generous. In our culture and society today, much, not all, but much of wealth creation is aimed at looking after number one. Yeah? That's just the way it is. There's nothing wrong with wise financial stewardship. Nothing wrong with planning for yours and, and hopefully your family's future. But I would suggest that the ultimate aim for any of us who might call ourselves a follower of Jesus shouldn't be just to store up wealth, but to wisely steward wealth in such a way so that we can be generous with what we've got. Amen? I love this passage from 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. You might be challenged, as I was, as we read these words together. It writes, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. To do good to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, not storing up all the treasures of this earth, but storing up treasures in heaven, taking hold of that which is truly life. Friends, that is the Christian call. And that is a real challenge for many of us who earn money from our work. We have been rewarded financially for our work and God expects that with the rewards that ultimately he's brought about for our use, he expects that we'll be generous, that we won't be stingy, but we'll be generous. And as the writer of Hebrews reminds us in Hebrews 13, 16, doing good and sharing what we have are actually sacrifices that are pleasing to God. It says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And as we saw in that, that passage before, to be rich in good works, to do good, to be generous and ready to share, that's, that's not only in a financial sense. Don't, don't mishear me here. That's an aspect of it. But it's also utilising the skill sets that we often develop through our work or have developed through a previous stage of life. Our abilities, the ways we've been gifted, whatever it is that we have, whether it's certain skills and giftings alone or skills and giftings and finances, God longs that we would be generous with what he has blessed us with. Amen? All right. So work enables us to be generous. And here's the next. Work and rest go hand in hand. Work and rest go hand in hand. This is good news too. Back in Genesis 2, 2 to 3, not only do we see that, that God institutes work but he also institutes a glorious thing called rest, the Sabbath. God brought about and, and modelled for us. He, he did it himself to model for us the importance of it. Um, the, a, a rhythm of working diligently for six days and setting aside one day per week to pause, to worship, to rest. Here's the thing, friends. When we live our normal, everyday lives with intentionality to, to honour and serve and point other people to Jesus, we can rest really well, can't we? We can, we can rest 
really easy. Who's ever done a, a day's work and sat down on the couch at the end of the day and felt a little twinge of guilt there? Has anyone ever felt that before? I'm looking down. I'm not looking at anyone. As you sit with your own thoughts, with the, the TV on, and, you, and you're kind of thinking to yourself, oh, man, I didn't really give it my all today. I didn't really honour my boss like I should have. I didn't honour God. I didn't really give my best for that day. I'm sure all of us have had those moments from time to time. It's not a nice feeling at all, is it? But what about the flip side of that? What about that sense of deep satisfaction that you feel when you crawl to the couch at the end of the day and uh, like this after a genuinely all-in hard day's work? What about that feeling? I'm not talking about feeling like you've nailed absolutely everything in your day. Has anyone felt like that before? No. <laughs> so I'm not talking about that. There's always opportunities we miss, things we wish we'd handled differently. I'm talking about that kind of feeling when you sink into couch in the night after washing the dishes, putting the kids to bed, making the school lunches, folding the washing, making a cup of tea, tag-teaming, high-five with your wife or husband... And then you're satisfied and you're exhausted, but you are deeply or even just somewhat satisfied. You know? It's that sense of like, oh, that day was well lived. You feel that sense of gratitude and that you've lived, truly lived, the way you were designed to live, that you'd lived purposefully for Jesus in your day. Anyone with me? When we work hard in our work, whatever that work is, rest is so much sweeter. When we give of ourselves and choose to lay down our lives for others, go in the extra mile, you know what I'm saying. When we work hard, our rest is always so much sweeter. God created us to work hard and to rest peacefully. That, that's the idea. That, that's the whole point. If you, if you look back at Genesis and see the six days of creation and then on the seventh he rested, that's the whole point. Work hard, give your all, and then enjoy rest with him. That's what we've been designed to do. God-honouring work and God-honouring rest go hand in hand because the same God who calls us to work diligently also calls us, beckons us to come to him and rest deeply yeah work and rest go hand in hand and here's the final point for today work is a taste of what's to come work is a taste of what's to come when you think of heaven what do you see <laughs> nice good answer now i i think for me it took me many years <laughs> it took me many years to get an accurate view of heaven because my kind of view of heaven involved floating around on clouds for real like floating around and sitting on a cloud and just being with God and the angels and all this sort of thing and when I actually read my bible I realized that was a warped idea of heaven but it took me a while to get there back in the day you know where that that's that popular thing oh heaven will be great because we'll just be floating around on clouds, sipping pina coladas or whatever it is that we enjoy or a delicious fruit juice, just chillaxing. Coffee. And coffee, maybe? Do you think so? 
that popular vision of heaven, while it's a popular one and you chat with many people who maybe don't know Jesus, that elements of those might be in their thinking around a heaven if they believe in such a place. But that vision of heaven just couldn't be further from the truth. Revelation 14.13 says that heaven is a place where we'll rest from our labour. Now that's true. But as Ray jumped ahead, said, but we're not going to be resting in heaven from all labour. Andy Mills from the Theology of Work Project, he reminds us that work is part of God's big picture. God has created all things and he has revealed that in his sovereignty, he is progressing created order through a process of creation, fall, redemption. God's created order started with the perfect garden, the Garden of Eden, and will be consummated in the perfect city, the new Jerusalem. Now, in the new Jerusalem, in the perfect city, we will rest from the labour that we've known on this earth. Yeah? We'll rest from this labour that we've known on this earth. But every single person who places their faith in Jesus Christ they will have new work to do. As Revelation 22 verse 3 says, in heaven no longer will there be anything accursed, no weeds in heaven, hallelujah, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. Our work will be to worship our creator. That'll be our work. Isn't that remarkable? We get a taste of that. We had, a, we had a fresh taste of that, I believe, this morning in our time of music ministry. But our work, if our faith is in Jesus, one day when we go through and enter into the next life, our work is going to be to worship our Saviour. Day and night, day and night, let praises arise. That song that we sing, that is going to be our reality. Work that, as Randy Alcorn says in his book, Heaven will be satisfying and enriching work that we can't wait to get back to. Work that will never be drudgery. Hallelujah. I mean, worshipping God in his very presence forevermore, day and night and day and night without ceasing, that is going to be our work. That is our ultimate glorious inheritance one day. If we place our faith in Jesus in this life, our work will be to wait on the Lord in a perfect environment, free of sickness, free of back and knee pain. Did I mention weeds? Doing his will and worshipping him for all eternity. Isn't that a mind-blowing thought? Um, S. Michael Hoodman, he's the founder of a website called got questions. He says this about the link between work now and our work to come in eternity. He says, in our current world, we have this command. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. The work that Christians perform in heaven will have the same goal, to be an act of worship in glorifying the Lord. The difference will be that in eternity, the work that God has prepared for us will be instantly rewarding, constantly refreshing, and perfectly suited for who we were created 
to be. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I've had people say to me before, how could you possibly, like, <laughs> especially people who maybe haven't decided to follow Jesus yet, how, like, heaven sounds horrible. If that's what's involved, no, 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 no. Heaven will be like nothing else. When we are free of our mortal bodies, when we are face to face with our Saviour, we won't want to do anything but the glorious work that God has instituted for us to enjoy. It'll be remarkable. How good is that? I'm just going to close now by, by praying for, for us as people in our work. You know, for some of us, we are in the workforce, so to speak, where we're working, where we're earning money for, to pay the bills, to try and combat all the rising costs. And it's a really hard season. And it can be very easy. It can be tempting to maybe not give it our all and maybe not, maybe not necessarily put in that full hard day work like we could, like God would want us to. I just want to encourage and I don't want to pray for you today that you would have a fresh revelation that everything you do, anything that you do, you're not working for a, a human boss. You're working for the King of Kings and everything that you do can bring him glory. So I want to pray for you that that would be true. If you're a, a, a parent, stay-at-home parent, in that really difficult season of keeping children alive and keeping your house relatively in one piece, I want to pray for you as well because that work at times can feel like it's not much of a joy. It can feel quite overwhelming. It can feel like, man, these kids better grow up soon, otherwise I'm going to be in a padded cell, you know, like it can be really hard kind of work. And I just want to pray for you that God would refresh you, that God would encourage you, that God would help you to see that the, the endless Duplo towers and the endless throwing things off to see them crash. Don't, how many boys just love chucking things and watching them crash and smash to pieces? All of that sort of thing actually glorifies God when you give yourself to it. I just want to pray for you. And also for those of us who are in a, a different season of life and we're retired, can I encourage you to, to paraphrase um, John Piper, don't waste your retirement. Don't waste your retirement. There's nothing wrong with a little R&R, &R, but don't let the R&R &R become the R&R and R&R and R&R and R&R and have no room for actually investing and continuing to serve God. You know, um, Charles Stanley, Dr. Charles Stanley says, for, for the follower of Christ, there is no such thing as retirement. And that is true. Hear that today. Be encouraged in that today. Never lose sight of how your everyday ordinary life, God desires to use it, and it can be, it will be used by him to draw people to himself and shift the atmosphere in this place. And that's what we're called to do. Shine light into darkness. Hope into broken situations and each and every one of us in our work we can do that how about we pray together now holy spirit we just uh, thank you that your abiding presence is what can make all of this come true lord if we're in that season of parenting where it just feels so overwhelming and we're constantly tired and and it's always tempted to like get frustrated or just want to throw in the towel and run away. Lord, we just pray that you would help 
those parents to really see with your eyes what it is that they're doing. They're not just cleaning messes. They're not just reading devotions to little children. They're doing all that to glorify you and to sow seeds for the next generation that they might do that very same thing, that they might glorify you and love you and enjoy you forever. So I pray, God, Holy Spirit, would you empower them? Would you strengthen them? Would you encourage parents in this season? And Lord, for those who are retired too, God, I just pray that they, they would not hear that as a, as a, a discouragement to, to not enjoy their retirement, but to understand that retirement will only ever be enjoyed if it's done purposefully for Jesus. That's the reality. That's the reality. And so, God, I pray that you would just help each and every retired person to recommit themselves to whatever it is that they do, to doing it heartily for the Lord, knowing that they will receive the reward from you, God for their efforts. And Lord, I pray that you would empower them, that you would lead them, Holy Spirit, that you would fuel them on and stir them on to serve you in all the ways that all the spaces of influence that they have in this season of life. And God, for those of us in the in the work stage, the traditional work, money earning stage of life, Lord, we pray that you would help each and every one of us to see the purpose in all that we do, to see that doesn't matter if we're cleaning rubbish bins, cleaning toilets, serving as a doctor, um, teaching children, grading roads, being a plumber or electrician, picking locks for a living, whatever it is, God, all that we do, you desire that we would do it with a heart to honour you. And Lord, that as we do that, we know and we believe, Lord, that this is what you will do, that you will work through our lives in, in help us to effectively be, be witnesses, faithful witnesses to Christ and have opportunities to share the good news of the gospel with others. We thank you, God, that work is not meaningless. It is incredibly meaningful. And we pray that you would help us to be all in with our work, whatever it is, that we might glorify you, that it might be good for the people around us who we invest in, and ultimately, God, that it would also be good for us that we would find freedom, that we would find joy, that we would embrace and live this life that we've been designed to live in relationship with you. Do that work in us, we pray. And we thank you for how you have moved in our lives thus far and how you will in the days and weeks and months and years ahead. We don't serve man, but we serve the Lord, our God. Help us to do that, Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.